Hello, welcome to tonight's podcast. We're joined tonight by three wonderful uh, company owners. They're going to introduce themselves right at the beginning. Um, anyway, we talk about non-player personalities, or but tips, tricks, and all kinds of other fun things to make memorable NPCs. Welcome to tonight's uh, podcast. Tonight's topic is non-player personalities. So we got some experts in the fields of wacky characters and cool designs. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves one by one. I'm going to start with uh, Mikey, Mikey Lynn Films. Michael Lynn Films, sorry. Goofed it up off the beginning. My bad. So, Phil Sam, what do you, you are, who do you, who do you be, all that fun stuff. Sure, all is forgiven, all is forgiven. It's past my bedtime anyways. <laughs> all right, this is Michael Lynn, Michael Lynn Animation Studio. Uh, we make high-quality animated videos for businesses of all types, and especially realtors. One thing we're working on right now is making a million dollars of content for realtors that they can access for the cost of one commission. That's me, I'm it. <laughs> All right, cool beans. Easy peasy. All right, moving next to what, what I see on the list uh, is Wearmix AI, also known as Sam. Sam, who you are, what you be, tell us about yourself. You're obviously not an AI currently, right? This is the AI version of me, so I am just drinking a beer outside, the actual me. This is my AI uh, version, so um, <laughs> aloha, aloha from Hawaii. Um, I'm the owner of Remix AI. We use AI-powered, um, we provide AI-powered sales and marketing automation. So basically what we do is create an AI clone of you and your best salesperson we're able to automate up to 80% of your appointment setting and follow-up that you can book more appointments out of the same amount of leads you have now, make more money out of the same amount of money that you are spending on marketing currently. So that is what we do. Happy to be here. Um, and it is be a lot of first for me. It's my first time on Discord. So um, I'm making a lot of cool new things happen here tonight yeah so discord discord's a fun place so uh I, after the show if you want to talk about how do you use and integrate stuff with it because it's a great calm system uh but to sure. flow over to the next person uh from flowvestors we got joshua who i recently was on their podcast so they are kind of <laughs> to do the do the return favor and come to life wahahaha wahahaha thanks rook sam i'll raise a beer to you how about that Yes, sir. We, uh, yeah, so my name is Joshua Christensen and Kay Pasa from New Mexico. We are, um, Flovester is kicking your assets and gear. We are currently, in our current state, a brand new startup, about two months old. And so right now we are basically doing a lot of podcasts. We're doing a lot of, uh, a lot of interviews. We got about 20 interviews scheduled right now through the end of April. For uh, we're working with entrepreneurs, hearing how they are getting their assets in, into a flow state, and how they're moving their portfolios forward, things like that. And ultimately, we are building courses to teach people how to create cash flow in their life, and using alternative assets and things like that. So, very exciting! It's cool to be here, Sam. Just like you, I've never been on Discord, and I am not a I'm not much of a gamer, so you guys are going to be playing me tonight. <laughs> That's okay. As we like, we like to say, people with not a lot of experience ask the best questions. So anytime during this process, <laughs> if you have questions or ideas or thoughts, feel free to just kind of spout them out, and we'll kind of come back to them. Um, and either address them right there or be like, hey, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, generally, we break down this uh, podcast with uh, questions, comments, concerns, as both Younger and Lawrence can tell you, uh, it's just meant to be fun, so don't be worried. There's no wrong answers. It's not a quiz. Uh, if you have a good idea, you're going to help somebody, and that's all we're here for. So, non-player personalities, or NPCs, non-player people, uh, in TTRPGs and regular video games, these are the characters that aren't controlled by somebody, right? Uh, in this case, the NPCs are generally controlled by the DM. Right or GM, depending on whatever system you're playing, they're the background characters, the ones that give quests um, or move the story along that aren't the main characters that the focus of the games are on. So, uh, the question, or 
task for tonight is how do you make interesting versions of those characters that aren't the basic cliches of random guy in a bar, you pay five gold, he hands you a mission to go do. Like, here's a fetch quest, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, to point at my uh, friend Younger here, Younger is very exceptional at making NPCs um, memorable, to say the least, if not downright just ridiculous. But that's a whole different matter completely. Uh, so I'm going to jump to him first. Younger, what's, what's your favorite tip uh, on making an NPC memorable? Okay, so one of the first things is that as a dungeon master um, there, or a game master, uh, there's a lot of different variations of how people like to template their MP NPCs to be memorable. Like, if you are artistic, you might actually, like, physically draw out a character design that your uh, players can visualize to be able to identify them, directly correlate them with the image or that uh, aesthetic, so on and so forth. Other people, you know, their games are more heavily focused on uh, the verbal aspect, but they kind of daydream while they play in the sense of like you daydream when you read a book and visualize it in your head. So with uh, direct storytelling, um, so on and so forth. But for me, um, you could also do it through like emphasis of like, character, of voice, you know, like you can uh, like an actor could go and portray uh, in terms of augmenting their voice, you know, maybe having more of a hillbilly southern accent or something, you know, um, to be able to provide like a, a depth to the character, like add to the breadth of uh, their mannerisms and how they interact with the players. You know, they might have a certain twitch about them that makes them slightly different. Uh, they could sound more intelligent. They could sound more, uh, you know, a little bit more simple-minded, so on and so forth. So I, I have to say, in my personal opinion, it's kind of like tying all those together and to create the perfect picture of what you want your characters, uh, your players, I should say, to, like, visualize. Um, it's no different than, you know, having a character in a storybook or in a movie script. Um, they, they need to have some form of personality and you can always add different aspects. Like maybe one has a particular uh, gemstone that's on their necklace or brooch that's easily identifiable that you mention whenever your characters walk into a different place that happen to see a familiar face, so on and so forth. That's what I got. All right, so that actually ties in really well uh, with the people that have brought on. So to, to throw the ideas that you're just put up to uh, others, right? So if we uh, go to Michael first. Uh, sure. You mentioned artwork and uh, drawing out your NPCs and characters. So when you're doing this for real clients and things like that, how do you yep. get that unique feel to their artwork? Um, what are, what is the kind of process you go to make a unique feeling character? Because obviously your animations vary from basically anything sure. uh, to fit the, the appropriate theme that you want. Absolutely. So one thing that we do when we start an animation after developing kind of the script and the feel is doing an art test. So we take references from things that we love, from characters that we love, um, and we draw versions of them that fit in the universe of this piece that we're making. Um, but one thing that I like to do when it comes to developing characters, because my background is in writing for film, um, is to use something called uh, the Enneagram. I don't know if anyone's heard of the Enneagram before, but it is this ancient personality test. <laughs> Back from uh, like year 1000. Uh, you can find more, up, more about it at ninetypes.com, and it basically separates personality types into their core sin. So you got nine different types. <laughs> and so you've got people that are driven by anger, people that are driven by pride, vanity, deceit, envy, greed, fear or anxiety, gluttony, excess, or sloth or complacency. And so this can add a layer of um, complexity to your dialogue even. So when you're creating dialogue for your character, a barkeep that is full of envy is going to react very differently than someone that's full of fear. 
Okay. So you're you're saying applying a, a major attribute would really help on both the aesthetics design and the communication uh, design. Exactly. Okay. I so ha having having again uh, the enneagram is is a nice layer when you're developing a character that adds a real dimension without having to do too much work. Okay. Interesting. I will I will definitely have to check that out more myself. I had heard of it before. Um, but uh, I didn't know it was uh, attached to Sims. I thought it was a personality type. But that's what I get for reading something when I'm in high school. Um, <laughs> jumping over to Sam. Uh, Sam, we, we talked about dialogue and the importance of dialogue. And because in a lot of TTRPGs are done in what's called the theater of the mind, right? You're just imagining things. There's a lot of physical stuff that you can apply it to all the time. What are, what are some go-to things uh, that you do for dialogue? Is there anything that, like, every something that everyone does unconsciously or types of people do, or does it have to change between every single person? Sure. Great question. Um, I like where this is going with the, with the different kind of personalities that we have here on this subject. So um, <laughs> <laughs> this is great. We've got, we've got the artists in the film, and, and now where I'm coming from with AI, right, so as an AI person... I'm actually a very organic and natural person. Um, it's not that I'm obsessed with um, robotics and, and, and AI and that thing, but it is the forefront of a lot of what's happening in the world right now. So mm -hmm. I say that to say um, well, how you folks have been talking about how, how you folks have been talking about creating characters. I'm going to kind of just flip it on its head a little bit because there's the obvious route of like, hey, you could have like an AI or chat GPT or something like spin something up for you, which could could have, you know, could be a interesting conversation to go down. But we do specifically for our clients, when I say creating an AI clone of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm coming into someone's business and be like, hey, you're the best at what you do. We're going to clone you, but you've got basically an AI assistant. Um to to work for you but at the skill level and the tone of voice and the personality of you i'll tell you right now um a lot of people draw a blank right because if you could imagine like just what mike was talking about sit down and write about create a new character like that takes that takes some skill and imagination i think it'd be easy to do the same thing for yourself right um it can be almost as hard or harder for some folks. Um, so w w when what we do a lot of specifically is, is doing just that. So I think, um, you know, if, if, you know, for someone who might be looking at doing this and experiencing, for lack of a better term, writer's block, um, I think that that could be a good angle to look at it. Be like, all right. If I was going to start with myself, which is who knows, you know, who do you know more about than yourself, um, and go from there, I think that's a way that, um, you know, jumped out for me to kind of flip it on its head and, and look at it from some different angles, if that makes sense. Okay, so... Uh, I, Without going and prying into, like, you know, like, your, your dark secrets... Um, is there like a a way that you would go about like creating like that AI personality? Like, would there be a list of things that you would like try to target to create that character, or in this case, NPC? Yes, and you know what? It would be really along the lines of what you said in your explanation, younger, because it can be anything. Like, it's unlimited, right? The problem is like. You can create anything so it's like what are you going to actually create right um and so again when i'm working with an individual i'm looking at who are you what are you what are you trying to do what do you need to do and how do you like you said do you want them to be more in depth or more simple-minded do you want them to have a certain accent or a certain tone of voice do you want it to be a very prim and proper of personality and speech or do you want it to be more casual and fun loving and those kind of things so um we run the gamut on that to create what needs to be created to make it most natural you know um that's insane is, 
Yeah, it's which is again a little bit counterintuitive than just being like super robotic. It's like if we're gonna come in and work AI or create a natural character outside of that, um, you really don't want it to be robotic unless that's what you're trying to build. You know, it's it's following the direction and the paint strokes and the creation. You know. Okay, so it like has like variations of tone and like influx of voice maybe they might mess up a word here or there to make it seem more human in aspect that's pretty wild and awesome that's incredible <laughs> right crazy to say but to refocus this uh, sure so jumping back into the make it about yourself would you say to apply this to a simpler project uh, is just throwing it into what would I be as we'll go back to the bartender idea. What would I do as a bartender? Oh, is, is that I a, got this. Oh, okay. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, was, I totally bartended for like several years, way back a hundred years ago. So that was like, so man, you totally got the cocktail vibe going on. You're throwing bottles, you're flinging bottles, but see, I'm also thinking there's a piano man, you know, Billy Joel. He's in the corner of the bar. He's playing songs, and you're creating this entire vibe where everybody's happy. The bartender's lacing the drinks with, with uh, you know, he's giving everybody roofies and messing everybody up, getting the whole place screwed up. And the bar, the uh, guy playing the piano in the corner is totally making everybody do a sing-along. I mean, I could just see it. I could just totally see it. And he's ripping them all off at the same time because they got their roofies, right? So I, I, I'm like, yeah, just tripping, just tripping. So this is I, like you guys, you guys got my head going in so many different spaces. I play with money all day. So this is um, that gets kind of boring at times. But, you know, now now we got to be creative and get outside ourselves. So I'm geeking out. Well, that's a pretty interesting uh, take on you know adding aspects of like the environment into the characters. Um, is, is pretty pretty creative in itself. That's especially I, since you have that firsthand experience. I was gonna say, so jumping jumping into the question for you, um, since you're kind of already in the vibe for the the bartender bits, um, <laughs> right? Uh, I got chandeliers. We got we got brasiers hanging from the chandeliers. We got oh, it's so, going it's going nuts in this if, place. If you're if you're creatively crafting, right? Uh, specifically, yep. Joshua, um you it sounds like you focus on the external aspects that enforce the NPC's vibe or feel, right? Um, so how much of that do you base on uh, personal experience versus uh, something you've seen in like pop culture? Yes. Yes, I would probably say both. Both and. Um, because at the same time that we create like this external culture, mm -hmm. what you don't see behind the scenes is, the, is that the bartender hates what he's doing. He's not happy. He's pissed off that he's not on the other side having the party, that he's the one that's serving. So there's, there's like envy, there's jealousy, there's anger kind of caught up inside of him that he's dealing with a bunch of drunks. You got the guy sitting at the piano that wants to be somewhere else. He wants to be famous he wants to be known he wants to be recognized so he tries to be the life of the party but really he's not he's kind of a loner sad guy sitting around so i think in a lot of ways you're you know there's there's internals and there's facades and everybody wears a mask and so you got a bartender and you got this piano guy in the corner that are wearing these masks and everybody thinks they know who they are but they really don't all right so i think in terms of, you know, personal experience, um, yeah, I felt like the court jester half the time, you know, and I hated it. And I think in terms of what I see in pop culture, look at the misery that you see in people who are, you know, they've created some kind of fame for themselves, and yet they're miserable, they're popping pills to try to stay happy, or they're, they're going through major depressions, or they commit suicide when, it, when on the outside it looked like they had everything. You know, so I think, there's a, I think there's an aspect of what you're saying to, you know, both personal experience and um, cultural pop experience. Okay. You know, I, I feel like adding those aspects to an NPC, uh, especially 
if you are trying to make them a central core part of your stories, will be excessively important. Having those background information and side bits uh, definitely will build a memorable PC, to say the least. If you can uh, show off all those things, you're going to kill it in the design. People won't ever forget that bartender. Especially if they have a one-to-one -one conversation with one of the players and things. Um, Mike, you, uh, you, yeah. you, uh, you said you had something. Yep. What you got? Yeah, so bouncing back to the Enneagram for a second, I typed into chat GDP, our favorite little <laughs> chat bot. I said, uh, how would each Enneagram number be different as a barkeep? So I'll run through each number, and they're going to be a very distinctly different barkeep based on their Enneagram number. Okay. So a type one would be very detail-oriented and efficient. Everything would be organized, clean, and perfectly presented. They would have a tendency to be a little bit, little bit judgmental if someone doesn't adhere to their standards. All right, so before we continue, this, um, I like this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in something extra to see you're thinking on the fly. Can you add a fantasy race to whichever bartender uh, at the end of each type? Just, you know, Ooh. elf, dwarf, gensai, whatever, whatever you know. I don't know how much... Uh... That's, that's a little bit of a stretch for me. Um... <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, so, actually, so, I, I, so actually... Maybe... No. maybe we can combo that with someone who has better knowledge of the D&D world. I was going to say... Okay, throw, a bard, I, throw, throw a bard in there. I was going to say, can I throw Lawrence and, uh, under the bus and, here and see what you guys think? Yeah. Lawrence over here being quiet. I'm listening. Okay, well, so, so, and what I would say with, with that even is you could have a, a, a race that fit the barkeep type, right? Mm -hmm. So one one of them one of the the the, the lustfilled uh, enthusiasts would probably be a bard, right? Okay, so more of a more of a class than a race. Yeah, or sure, like okay, sorry. <laughs> or you could have something that, 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 that's counter to that. So you could have someone a, a race that's considered more refined, but that character stands out because they are mm, so okay. counter to their normal race. Gotcha. Okay, that's a that's a wonderful idea, actually. Okay, so, so so throw some quote unquote written irony into the mix. Got it. Absolutely, make making them memorable, right? So one's your detail oriented thing. What would be the the best detail oriented race? I guess gnomes. Gnomes. Yeah, probably gnomes. So you got you got a, you got a gnome type one detail oriented. Uh, type two is the helper, warm, welcoming, eager to please. They would remember their customers' favorite drinks. However, they may struggle to assert themselves and have a hard time saying no to customers who overstay their welcome. Halfling. No, I was going to say Fulborg, actually. Nah, I'm going with Halfling. <laughs> all right, all right, whatever. Type 3 is your achiever. A barkeep very focused on efficiency and making a good impression. Quick to suggest high-end drinks and might try to upsell customers on more expensive options. They might have a bit of a competitive streak. It would want to be the most successful barkeep in their area. Human. Dwarf. Yeah, dwarf. All right. Uh, individualist, type four. Barkeep would be very creative and likely have a unique drink menu that sets them apart from other bars. They might also have a tendency to get caught up in their emotions and have a hard time keeping a cool head if a customer is being difficult. Human. <laughs> Maybe the type thing? I don't know. All right. All right. You, type five other... investigator would be very knowledgeable about different types of alcohol and give their customers very detailed information about the history of certain drinks. They might be a bit reserved and prefer to observe and reserved and prefer to observe rather than engage with customers. An elf. elf. They've lived long elf. enough to know all the drinks. <laughs> Excellent. Agreed. Type six Agreed. loyalist would be very very focused on making sure their customers felt safe and and comfortable. They may be quick to offer suggestions for drinks they know their customers will enjoy. However, they might struggle with making decisions and seek validation from others. I would say Fair this might be the Furbolg. You think so? Mm. Let's think, I'm thinking this is a half-breed, either a half-orc or a half-elf. I, I, I think a half-orc would actually be the most appropriate one. Mm. Yep, I'll probably try to, trying to fit in kind of there. Mm -hmm. Type 7, Enthusiast, would be very outgoing and fun-loving. Uh, they would be very quick uh, to suggest adventurous drinks or offer to create something special for customers who are feeling adventurous. They may struggle with being uh, being too scattered or having a hard time focusing on one task. 
definitely nope. a, like a legitimate fairy. <laughs> this could also be a halfling. Like the picture of a halfling, I think, has like a loot and is walking around. <laughs> Alright, last one. Mm. Alright, we got two more. Uh Challenger is type eight, very assertive, no nonsense attitude. May not take kindly to customers who push their boundaries and question their authority. However, they may be very protective of their regulars and make sure they are taken care of. Dragonborn. Ooh, yeah. Or a minotaur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a minotaur. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. And the last is the peacemaker, type 9. Very easygoing and accommodating. Maybe quick to make suggestions, but ultimately would defer to their customers' preferences. They may struggle with asserting themselves and have a hard time dealing with conflict. Or like a half elf or something. Something, yeah. You throw a hobbit in there. Throw, throw a hobbit in there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's what a halfling is. It's just you know we didn't want to steal directly from Tolkien. Yeah, it was a legal thing for that. <laughs> All right. So I think so. I think that that's a, a very interesting way to look at the different possible bar keeps, you know, and applying them to various fantastical races. Uh, obviously, there's way more than the ones we listed. Uh, because you know, there's without using AI, <laughs> without using AI. Why hey, you, you know, so so uh, something something I'm coming to learn, and this is just a, a personal note for me. And Sam, you can echo or uh, disagree with me on this, but uh, AI is making stuff way more convenient uh, for the stuff that we're doing. Um, you know what I mean? The the just the processing and handling and the creating stuff quickly with uh, feedback and tweaking and whatnot uh, to give guidelines and shooting uh, out stuff uh, shouldn't be discerned from, or not discerned from, but uh, dissuaded from just because it's new and scary. Uh, obviously, mm. it's something to be watched and learned from, but I think the advantage of using it uh, is going to outweigh the possible negatives in the long run. But that sure. Fun, you know what I mean? Uh, there's obviously different ways to use it. You know, making it way more personalized with like what Sam does uh, is something completely and wholly unique that I've heard. You know what I mean? It's not just uh, chat GP plugging a font and oh hey, here's 26 different things on a list to make a blog about. Or sure, here's a character that we made randomly from various stats and things because it has access to the internet. You know, whatever. Which sure. Is a value sure. to make NPCs, by the way. It's Sort of to get chat GP and give me the name and make your own picture kind of thing. Sure, uh, sure. Speaking of AI, how how best would you would you suggest people use it to augment their experiences? Um, let me see. Let me see. Good question. Um, I will kind of just touch on some of the things that you were saying. Um. There's pros and cons like there is to to everything, you know. Polarity exists. It always has and it always will. Um, and, and nothing is all good and nothing is all bad. And hey, thanks for the follow. Just, just like every revolution that has come through, right? Every tool that has come through, you know, whether you look at um, the industrial revolution, like AI is, you know, machine learning is a function of AI and, and we've had a lot of, um, automation, you know, come through our, our civilization. Right. So, um, sure. Is it going to like quote unquote replace some jobs or, or whatever, or some functions? Sure. But it creates new ones, right? Just like, um, when, when Henry Ford, um, put together the assembly line, right. Um, so now we need less people on assembly line, and now we have all types of careers that never existed before because humans have the time and capacity to go be creative. Like, you can be a YouTuber now. You could be on any one of these social networks or Discord. You could have, like, a super innovative um, business like, like Epic Sages that you guys are doing right now. Like, if we were here 120 years ago, we'd just be, like, trying to grind our ass out on the assembly line with Henry Ford, right? Um, so I say all that to say, um, AI, I don't believe it's not AI that's going to replace people. It's people that use AI that are going to replace people because AI comes from a human. A human has to make it. A human has to manage it. So it's like, 
order to it's kind of like stay ahead or or get left behind you know what i mean it's like i would rather use it to my advantage so that comes to exactly what you're talking to um yes you could use chat gpt or any number of different of tools to kind of start you out with an outline of something um and i say more power to you you know what i mean sometimes that's the way to go um you know and i'm not fully versed in exactly the process of like what or or where you would need like obviously if there was artwork to come from that you could use some level of um ai art generation or or image generation and stuff like that so um the tools are definitely there and i you know like to say again everybody's different approach it with with somewhat of an open mind and just kind of question yourself you know what i mean if you're if you think it's scary which a lot of people do they're like oh my god i don't know where to start go in and get your hands wet get your hands dirty you know what i mean um and, and, and just realize that you you want to at least know what's going on even if you're not a proponent of it, of it. if you are a proponent think, of it and you're that person that's just like obsessed with ai and you're like the evangelist and that you can't stop talking about anything else Take a moment to think about the natural flow of things and like what I approach this as a human, you know, because you know, that's what AI is missing is the human element. It always is going to need the human element. And um, so just just keeping that in mind is, I guess, the um, top line of, 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 of comment that I would have about it. On AI art tools, do you have one like, or two that you prefer? Me? Honestly, that's probably the one... Um, um, section of the industry that I don't have as much expertise in. Um, I am a lot more in tune with the content generation, with sure. the business and marketing side of things. So actually, you, you stumped me on that. I couldn't even sit here and tell you which one is my favorite. Um, but I have, that's something that I'm just trying to get in a little bit more of, sure. of understanding because obviously it's amazing. Now, of course, and you would know this, Mike, being of a content creator, there's always the issue of, all right, now how do we give credit to, because whether it's AI generation of art or, or content, it's pulling inspiration. It's making it in the model of so-and-so, right? So it's like, right. are we plagiarizing actual artists now, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, do you do you have a favorite? I would imagine oh, that you probably have a little bit more... Um, so I'm actually going to uh, experience maybe on the on that I, side. I want to have a favorite, but I'm just disappointed in a lot of them. The, mm. <laughs> so, the so, ability for the prompts to get what you want is uh, substandard, in my opinion. So, you. you know what's really cool about what you're what's really cool about what you're saying, Sam. I mean, just it's it's about innovation. I mean, the, the industry has changed, and and people who are able to innovate, which ultimately is just another form of creativity which is what we're talking about tonight with the mpcs it's just creativity and it's it's innovation and i too when you talk about ai i think the i hate to use the term the sky is the limit but it's truly limited it's, it's going to be limited by the quality of your questions yep oh that's it and whatever your whatever you know whatever your inputs are is going to give you your output so if you want something different you just have to be innovative and creative and if you can grab hold of that man you could really create some cool concepts and some really cool ideas and some cool worlds and characters and whatever it is that you know you're doing with the with the uh tpg so i gotta do sure. a personal personal plug really quick so both the little art pieces uh for younger and lawrence uh were made using stable AI stable ai uh and all of our little ads uh, for the people watching twi uh, twitch uh and whatnot for you listening to podcast later sorry you don't get to see this but all the little ads that are running on our screen and the little pictures in the corner and all that fun stuff are both edited by me and ai crafted and kind of you know, thrown together uh and it's, nice. something, it's something that we do you know i mean they're great for landscape stuff and other things and uh building mm -hmm. through and making character concepts and stuff like that uh, using the the stable AI is relatively simple, but I might go through ten to twenty iterations before I find something that I'm mm -hmm. happy with or get something that's uh, close to what I want. Uh, and then I yeah. still might have to edit it myself later. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. 
you, you, all three of you, all three of you hit it on the head so perfectly. Um, and the term for this is called prompt engineering. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? It's the prompt. And at the end of the day, the human is the pilot. You are the pilot. You can create something either okay, good, or really good. But almost no matter how good it is, you're going to have to go in and make some, some tweaks to that. Um, and, and that's the science, man. Art, it's an art and a science, right? So, but at the end of the day, it's all to the human because look at every piece of software we've ever had. The better it gets, the more updates it needs. It's a perpetual state of update, right? And so imagine if this dopest AI on the market, whatever you want to call, PT, whatever, imagine the humans just stop making updates and just take a day off. Imagine they took a week off. How intelligent is it now? Right, like artificial intelligence requires actual intelligence, and it'll always be that way. And so I think that's really a lot of what um, you know. All three of you just touched on. You know, it's funny. I just I don't know how old everybody is on the call, but I just heard my dad like thirty years ago saying, "Get out of your bed and do something with your life." You know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, Dad, I'm I'm. You know, this is back when I was working on Commodore sixty four. Back, you know, I'm in junior high or whatever and i'm thinking i'm gonna take over the world programming and doing all kinds of stuff on the on this little commodore 64 that has no it's 64 bits you know i mean it has no memory at all but you know back in those days we just thought it was the that was the end all to everything if we could get on a really cool bbc with dial-up modem access to some backroom chat you know that was wasn't accessible to everybody else it's like you were special you know, and, and my dad's going, you need to go to bed. You need to get a real job. You need to get something going, you know. So it's kind of funny how innovation has changed, how, you know, the world has changed to where now people are doing this as a living and creating amazing, amazing lifestyles as a result of it. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like how, like, I think you, I think you had alluded back to if it wasn't for some of this, some of these changes we'd all be back on the assembly line or we'd be back in the fields, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. I, I 100% feel you. So on this, to refocus and go back to uh, jumping into the NPCs, the tips and tricks. If I could speak properly, holy cow. Uh, Have another beer. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump at jump at you, Josh. Uh oh. What what are some uh handsy notes you might add to a character? So like uh what are some unique things you would add to a character to set them apart from everyone else in an area? Now we've been talking about a bartender, but what what are some other things that could just be applied to background characters that are NPCs? Because NPCs uh, can also just be like townspeople and things like that that aren't necessarily interactive with the players, but the world still has to be filled. Um, so what are what are ways to like add to so, I mean, or, or looks or whatnot? Uh, any ideas on that one? Are we still in the are we still in the same bar setting? Um, I would I would say you can be, but you don't have to be. Okay, I mean, I'm just I'm just thinking about like on a normal. On a normal Saturday night, yeah, let's just, right? Let's, let's, you got your main character. What? What's up? Let's let's say main character walking through town, but you as a the DM GM want to note that there's something special about the people in the town. There's there's something off, something different uh, that might intrigue your okay. players to go and talk to them. Okay. Oh man, shoot, that's kind of a okay. So I mean, I think back to when. My my daughters were little youngins, and we would watch all the Disney films. So I'm thinking about the opening scenes of Beauty and the Beast, the Disney cartoon, and Belle and Gaston are running through town singing, and along the way, they're talking to the baker, they're talking to the florist, they're talking to... Um, all the different characters within town, and each each character comes out with the baker comes out with the bread, kind of portly fellow, right? Or the seamstress comes out, and she's got she's 
fitting bell for a dress or something or you know i mean there's all these different characters within the town that jump out into the have these chance encounters with the main characters okay so that just because go ahead sorry i'll let you finish what's up i said oh no no i mean i'm just i was just thinking i was just thinking about this whole the whole thing that disney did around that opening scene of beauty and the beast just kind of came to mind with all the all the various ancillary characters that were not really main characters so i think that's a perfect example and touchstone for people to look for and something that a good too. the people that listen uh to it uh can apply to those npcs because again none of those characters had major roles in the film but you specifically remember them because they were interesting or they were unique in those those settings so applying some kind of defining characteristic to the background people as your players walk around and do things will definitely entice them to jump in and have a conversation with them or maybe just acknowledge that those people exist right as long as you're not describing every baker as a portly dude in a white hat uh which might right, describe right. the majority of bakers anyway um i i think so that'll, that'll go well go ahead, i can pipe in for a second here sometimes you can make the characters stand out by making them look different than how you expect Okay. So if, yeah. if all the bakers that we see are always fat and portly, and you see this baker that everyone respects, but they're really tiny and skinny, you go, wait, what? <laughs> okay. So you got cool. Ichabod Cranes cr- ser- serving up a cannoli. Mm. <laughs> that sounds like younger. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I actually have something to note on that, and it's basically like, um, this is a problem that I at least have like self-noted on myself whenever I GM or DM and it's too many DMs are reactionary. They wait for the main player characters to initiate something. Sometimes as the DM, you need to have the NPCs have that initiation. Like you were saying, they insert themselves into the main character's storyline and stuff. Uh, And I think just the simple fact that they initiate the conversation or the interaction or um, something happens nearby that the players witness that very aspect being added to the story helps set them apart from the everyday average NPC and then can lead into further storyline and or dialogue um, that the players will then pursue after you threw them that bone. Um, that, that was something that you basically said without directly saying it that I took a big I, note of. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you know, Welcome I, to my world. I like that. <laughs> it's my um, evil plan. As a, as, a, <laughs> as a side note or suggestion for me, you can also tell a background story with your NPCs uh, by cutscening to them for a second. Uh, you know, you talk about, uh, we'll go back to kind of the Disney thing, but you see a thief in the background getting chased by the guards one day. You know, you don't think about nothing up with those characters. There's crime in the street, yada, yada. Well, you see him the next day, and he's uh, all beat up and bruised, but stealing again, still getting chased by the guards, and so on and so forth. And you continue just that quick narrative uh, with your players for the next however long they're in the town. Uh, and eventually, they might go and help the guards or help the thief, and uh, then you have a new access or hook for your next story. Uh, maybe maybe the thief shows up in the bar later on while they're all drunk, singing songs, and he's the one walking around stealing money. And there's a chance and there's there's an encounter later with that same guy. Exactly. It all ends up back in the bar. It all ends up back in the bar. bar. (laughs) Um, I I have to, I have to guys. I think that was a really cool kind of train of thought. So I just have to put a little piece on it. What each one of you guys said from starting with, with um, it's funny you brought up um, beauty and the beast. Um, I had a movie that came into mind. Then you both, uh, the rest of you all kind of like touched on it and, and younger, you talking about kind of like making the personality as well behind them. Um, the, <laughs> as someone not versed in the world of the tabletop games, um, the movie that popped in my mind was Jumanji because they literally oh. talked about it because uh, the new Jumanji, the one with the rock, right? The first one, uh, the first new one, there's so many now, it's so hard. So um and then the 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 guy who's driving the jeep he's like oh he's an NPC this and that it was like that was like the first time somebody really <laughs> explained it to me um and then throughout that whole movie it's kind of the same thing but you're talking about like quote unquote video game where it's like actual people walking around and it's a movie it is what it is um 
Also, fun fact, um, that was filmed right here. I live on the east side of Oahu, about 10 minutes away from the ranch, um, where they film all the movies. So that's where they filmed Jumanji, that's where they filmed Jurassic Park, and a whole bunch of other movies. So just to tie it all back, um, yeah, that movie, NPC, and me finally understanding all this shit now, making a lot more sense because of you guys. <laughs> well, That's awesome. we're, we're, we're here to teach whatever we can, whenever we can, so I'm glad we made that That's it. for you. I'd actually yeah. like to add one more thing to not what uh, JC Flow mentioned uh, most recently, but the very first aspect where he had elements of the environment. Um, when you were basically asking how to make those interactions kind of distinct, I always get the like the Tolkien aspect of like how they go and they write about how the architecture looks, you know, um, and maybe like a uh, primary uh, like species that's in charge of that particular region and some of the aesthetics that are associated with that. Um, it could be like elements of culture, you know, like if you have a more oriental culture, you can go and describe the garb as such, you know, versus like a... Uh, like an orcish tribe bar barbarian uh which is like more of like a native american-esque uh or mongolian-esque feel to it you know and describing it within like those elements to add further um depth to the character's appearance you know or mannerisms um that was something that came out to my mind as soon as uh roger spoke about like things that you could add that's just another one of my 32 cents that I'm going to put in here. <laughs> so I do, I do have to count right. on that though, is you do have to be careful how much real world you throw in your fantasy realm, uh, because you do run the risk of completely equating a fantasy race, uh, to a, a real life race. Right. Uh, whereas you can borrow and uh, use elements, of various cultures. If you completely transpose a culture culture to a race, uh, it's going to lead to, some kind of issue at some backlash. Yeah, sure. Be careful with all the way. There's a there's a good way to do it and a respectful way to do it, but don't 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 take not to get canceled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is just because we're in the cancel culture, man. It's you know, it's not me too. Okay, listen, you can get you can get canceled in a fantasy world, not just the real world. So that's right. That's right. Serious it's kind of a funny comment, but no, yeah. it's fully serious. Yeah, no, I no, get it. And, true. And now that no, you, it's true. It's now true. That you say it, now that you say it that way, um, Roger, the more that I think about it, it's like, oh, no shit. You're literally, you can literally, you're creating characters. You can make it whatever you want. So, yeah, it could go down a really bad path. Like, I get right. it now versus just yeah. being like, um, or good or anything that's real. or whatever. It's so, real. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. The fact that some of the most imaginary things are real, like imagination is real. Like it's it's literally in our heads. Like it's real. But it draws from it draws from somewhere. Yeah, it draws from blown. something. Right. Mind blown. Yeah. Kind of cancel that. You're not just throwing it in onto one species or race or whatnot. Uh, is you can spread that amongst the various people that are in a region, uh, or disperse multiple things from multiple cultures. Right. Uh, if you mix. Uh, we'll keep using the Mongols here, but also throw in some. Uh, oh, I can't think of a, a good like uh, Indian aspect uh, or Native American. Polynesian. Let's go, yeah, Polynesian guys. Oh, yeah, Pacific, Pacifica, Pacific right, so, culture. So, Let's go. I got, I got, I got a dope on the Pacific culture stuff though, because we've been running a couple campaigns with our island hopping campaigns. Nice. Uh, and they are really fun, but that is one of those things where you have to be respectful of the the context yeah. of what you're doing and trying to equate it to. Um, so having instead of using the Polynesian style ships, right, where they're the the big ones with the sails and whatnot, uh, is throwing uh, like European ships in there and stuff like that to kind of to mix the vibes of what you're doing, uh, but still have those other feelings and elements, and that's totally okay to do because it it makes those NPCs and cultures unique, um, especially if you blend them. You know what I mean? It's okay to use elements of culture uh, to craft your NPCs. Uh, or you can just create a whole new fantasy culture where they wear a specific garb that's not a traditional outfit anywhere in the real world. Anybody, yeah, yeah. Guys, so do you guys ever? My my daughter's studying linguistics, mm -hmm. and 
one of the cool things that I didn't even know was a thing until she said it, and it makes total sense. But do you guys ever incorporate like new languages into your characters and create like whole different dialogues and stuff through this different language? So I'm I'm gonna straight up say I'm no Tolkien, so I don't make my own languages. Uh, well, for the <laughs> most part, uh, but we do use new slang. You know what I mean? Uh, and various mm-hmm. uh, things and whatnot, like uh, to draw onto Star Wars. Right? They use terms like uh, wizard uh, for stuff, uh, as in like saying it's cool. Uh, and that's that's you know EU silliness, but whatever. Uh, but doing something like that to add to a specific region, to add to something that everyone says, you know. Uh, can make things unique and interesting as well. And something that you can apply to multiple people. So it's not specifically just one NPC. Uh, if everyone. Well, so, sure. Go ahead. I'm listening. So, something else to, to mention. Uh, if, if they don't know. Is that like in, in a system like Dungeons and Dragons. There's generally like. Uh, multiple different types of languages. So like there's an elf language. You know elven. There's a dwarvish language. There's a primordial elemental like ancient being language there's a dragon language all sorts of stuff that you can go and sprinkle throughout um your world you can add anything new if you want something new like it might be oh this particular culture speaks like angranese and uh like that's a completely made up language that i just made up on the spot you know right nice and it's filled with rage yes that's why it's called angry, angry. <laughs> and it's and it's quite hostile they, and aggressive. They took German and made it louder. <laughs> you just talked about how we don't tie these things together, Roger. No, Quick back. You You're go. gonna fall in the pits of doom. All right. Listen, I've, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a question actually for you guys, and okay. I, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make a comment first, and I almost hate to do it because, like, you just. Oh, it's funny because it, it keep different movies keep popping into my head and everything we talked about. So, like another Disney movie, for example, um, Moana with Maui and the whole talk about a Polynesian Disney movie. Um, so, the legend of Maui is throughout all the Polynesian cultures, right, from Hawaiian to Tahitian to Samoan to Maori and New Zealand. And so, what they did in that portion was basically, you know, it's recognizably Polynesian, but they they combined kind of combined them all and they like quote unquote kind of like Loki made their own language that it wasn't just Hawaiian or Samoan or Maori but it, it was a lot of the same words um so that was interesting they they kind of did what you were talking about as opposed to making something completely new um they kind of amalgamated like how America you know uh made Taco Bell hey man <laughs> we're gonna need a bigger box for that comment all right that's a, that's a whole podcast on its own and i ain't starting it tonight <laughs> um, so just because we're sort of kind of running out of time i want to give you guys a couple minutes to give your last thoughts on the npcs or anything that you guys thought was like a, a good point that you want to reiterate either from something someone else said or something that you said uh, and then I want to give you guys a couple minutes to do pitches slash goodbyes, all that fun stuff. So, uh, starting starting over in the corner with uh, Mike. Mike. Sure. Well, I would say just uh, layer up your characters, whether you're using AI, whether you're using your own experiences, different cultures, the Enneagram. Um, put layers on your ca- characters that will make them more realistic. Um, again, don't take everything from one culture or from one source, but use different aspects from personality types, from your own experience, and you'll build a better, more diverse character. Nice. Solid thought. Jumping over to Sam. Excuse me. Sorry. Maybe. <laughs> He might have muted himself. Uh, it's not muted on on this end. I mean, he could have come undone or something. Silly. Uh, Sam, if you want to leave and come back, I'll reinvite you. Sometimes that happens for the connection. It's dumb. Sorry. 
All right, we'll go over to Joshua really quick, and then hopefully Sam will uh, come back to us. Cool. Yeah, you know what? I don't have any idea what I'm talking about, so most of most of anything was just playing off of you guys. And so, okay. um, yeah, I mean, it's it's that's part of the game, right? It's uh, you don't know what you're getting into. Choose your own adventure. Be careful. <laughs> you know, slip, slide, have fun. And I mean, I shoot. I I I think that I think the coolest thing though that I really that I think I took from our conversation tonight is like I, I wrote this down. I thought it was really cool that prompt engineering. You know, you can design your characters as creatively as you can possibly come up with. And the only thing that's limiting you is your creativity. So however you engineer your prompt, and you kind of borrow on that from um, Sam's AI comments, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just creating. You can create whatever it is that you want. That's the cool thing about this whole world that you guys are a part of. And, you know, you play... Uh, you play multiple different games, whether, and I don't know all the different tabletop games, but you know, if you got five different uh, versions of games, why not blend them? Why not make them interchangeable? Why not pull character characteristics from different worlds? And I mean, you could you could do all kinds of things and get kind of creative and um, just just have a lot of fun with it. And you know, I mean. We, we deal with so many crazy things in this world. And at the end of the day, if you can do something like this and not be too serious about it and just have a lot of fun with it, yeah, life is going to be so much more fun, you know? And uh, you can kind of escape, escape reality for a little while and just live in this fantasy. And I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. Nice. All right, Sam, your voice working? I like that. Yeah, I guess did I get um did I get uh cut out? Did my did my thing drop off earlier? Is yes. that what happened? I, I think that's what happened. Yeah, because you suddenly stopped talking for a second. So I don't, I don't, it does that cool. sometimes, especially when you're going Easy. for a while. So uh, so yeah, things to bring yeah, up. My thing will be a, my thing will be a question for you guys. You know, this has been fun. I've learned a lot because again, I'm coming at this from like a non basically no experience. So I understand NPCs. I understand that you can create new ones, and there's probably existing ones within certain games so my question for I'd love to kind of hear from each one of you folks have either like a favorite npc like are there classic npcs within games that are just like pre-existing and or if you're creating your own like what is your favorite in that lane um so kind of a two-part question gotcha so I'll, I'll i'll answer this on my end and obviously lawrence and Lindsay, you're free to answer uh for you uh but as a as a favorite NPC, um, I don't I don't truly think I have one besides the ones that I've made, such as uh, our our symbol right here on my little picture, Squawk, right? Uh, Secret mm -hmm. God it would definitely be considered an NPC, uh, because no one's ever played him as a character. Uh, probably my favorite favorite NPC I've ever ever made. He was used as a uh, cutscene character when things were getting too spicy on screen and none of the players at the table wanted to deal with the adult affairs of their characters. <laughs> uh, Squawk would fly over, Squawk! And we would move on to the next scene. Uh, and eventually, you know, he became a beloved character at the table, so on and so forth, uh, and became a god in the world to play it. Uh, Younger, what about you? That's awesome. Uh, you kind of hit on that note, and it's like, um, it's kind of difficult to, so basically, I'm going to like start it off like, yes, there is like predetermined NPCs in a lot of these tabletop games. Like if you play Dungeons and Dragons, um, every single person who plays, you know, that has like any little bit of like knowledge of like the 5e system probably has heard of like Curse of Strahd and Strahd is like this evil vampire villain. So I would say like the most easily memorable NPCs are usually the ones that uh, we didn't really touch on this in the podcast, but uh, enemies are also NPCs. Mm. Um, oh, they are like in, <laughs> yeah, but like just, just out there, like 
yeah, you have your regular citizenry or like the nobles or the knights or this and that, da 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 da, you know, your quest givers. But there's also all of the bad guys have a potential for dialogue and they can be NPCs. And the evil vampire mm-hmm. Lord Strahd uh, is one of the big memorable ones that is like published in a regular module that you could go and run through if you didn't want to create a whole world of your own. Um, and you could even insert him into like a regular game. Like who doesn't want to go and fight a big bad vampire guy? Um, and so that's the first part. The, the second part is my favorite ones. Um, I've usually like my favorite NPCs that I can think about didn't start as NPCs. They usually started as player characters and then they evolved into an NPC like for a later game down the road. It'd be like, oh, I remember I played this really cool character. It'd be nice if I added him as an interactive NPC with my players um, because I already know what they're like because I played them, you know? Um, So I'm able to make those mannerisms. Um, But I have to see... Sam said earlier about thinking about yourself. You literally made this game for yourself. Uh, that's a that's a great use of old characters. Yeah, but I have to say my favorite yeah. NPC is probably actually like I wouldn't say he's my favorite. I'd say my most memorable NPC is I created a like evil god as a part of my backstory of my very first character that Roger proceeds to hunt all of my future characters with um, for the entirety <laughs> of my existence of playing with him. Um, so. There's that. I hate him, and I created it myself, and then he, he runs the NPC, and it forever haunts me, and so it's super oh, memorable, but it's also garbage. It's your personal Frankenstein <laughs> that's coming after you. Stories too. Uh, the, the, the character he is describing has been in way more than just our tables that we played at together, uh, but it definitely shows up in the majority of the ones that we've played together. If I can talk Spain into using him as a bad guy for his uh, text campaign that we're running, I will die laughing. Um, <laughs> so, Lawrence is off mute. Lawrence is off mute. He's ready to talk. Let's go. Um, as as far as like a go-to NPC, like a typical one, I usually don't do that. Uh, I like to just make everything up from scratch. But I don't own any monu- I don't like any modules or anything like that, and I haven't read up on any of the, the like the mass-produced stuff that everyone reads. And as far as like my favorite type of NPC, it's the one that my players like. It usually ends up inappropriate, so I can't talk about a lot of details. But uh, but me as a DM, the NPC that I like is the one that makes a little bit of a division in the players. And makes them each um, play their role as that character. Some someone who comes along who doesn't necessarily force their differences to come out, but allows their differences to come out for them to play the roles that they decided they wanted. <laughs> nice. Uh, on Facebook, Viva Little Dirt League has some really funny NPC stuff. If you have any, any of you are familiar with them. They produce some gaming content. Viva La Dirt League. Okay. I demand nice. that all of the things that come out of your guys' mouth as links and stuff need to be put in the under part, you know, attached to this on Anchor or whatever. You can I've been wanting to type. I just don't know how to use the type function on this. Okay, I'll explain that after we're done with the podcast in case uh, stuff and things. Uh, but... That being said, it is the the wrap-up time because we're a little bit over time at this point. So I'm going to give you all a a minute or two to give your last pitches, things, things you want to be memorable for your guys' stuff, uh, and then we'll wrap up. So starting starting with Mr. Lin. Sure. So Michael Lin, Michael Lin Animation Studio, if you want help telling your story for your business or for any kind of creative project that you have, uh, give me a call. You can look me up at Mike Lin Film. F-I-L-M dot com. Okay. Jumping over to Flowvesters. Um, yeah, so Joshua Christensen, I'm the architect at Flowvesters, or Flowvester. Uh, we are on Facebook right now building our community. So if you go to F-L-O 
V-E-S-T-O-R. There is no W in there. Um, right now, all of our content is free. And we're working with uh, entrepreneurs, startups, and individuals to, you know, figure out strategies to help get their, uh, get their cash flow going in the direction they want it to go. So give us a shout, reach out, follow us on those pages. It'd be awesome. And last but not least, Sam. Awesome. Thank you again for having me here. It was really great, really enlightening. Um, so again, what I do, um, if you sell something for $1,000 or more, and you want to sell more of it, I'm your guy. That's it. Nice and easy. Um, we put we put the power of AI to work in your sales process to make more money out of uh, your your current efforts and current budget. So, um, I mean, I think it was great to see um, each one of us had you know <laughs> out of left field a little bit, but was able to have a really cool conversation. So, thank you guys again. Yeah, good times. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Uh, Thank you. Wonderful inputs. One last, one last thing from us. Uh, we got to give out the monthly code. Again, this month is March, so our code is Dove, D-O-V-E, 907 for 10% off anything on the website. Check us out for your gaming needs, both, both models, dice, and games, game advice, all the fun stuff that we do. Uh, with Adventure in Mind, I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. All right, all right, all right. That was tonight's podcast. Hope you all enjoyed. Again, that code for the month is Dove907. Dove907. Check out the uh, description for any of those links that we talked about and those other things that we mentioned. Anyway, with Adventure in Mind, have a wonderful night.